So you see, every day, every week, every month, and every year of my life, my hero's always 10 years away. I'm never going to be my hero. I'm not going to attain that. I know I'm not. And that's just fine with me because that keeps me with somebody to keep on chasing. How's it going? Phil here. As most of you have been listening to the show know, Dave and I actually recorded a bunch of content and have just been releasing it. Uh, We probably recorded over the course of several months and didn't release a single episode. And then uh, we've just kind of been trickling them out as we have time to dub the audio and, and, uh, you know, do the post-production on them. So we decided to, to, um, to take a break from that because this pandemic that we're going through was just such a compelling thing to chat about. So we got together and we recorded an episode just about this experience and coronavirus and the sheltering from home and quarantine and all that. So I uh, hope you guys get something out of this and certainly can relate to it and uh, enjoy. All right, Phil. So, wow, what an interesting time. You and I, we've been catching up over text and we decided we need to capture our feelings in this. Um, and it's, you know, it's, <laughs> I was just thinking like six months ago, not even six months ago, let me think, uh, February to March, March, April. So it's like two months ago, I was in Disney World. So it's such a different world now. And I've gone through like, hey, I've been working from home when I'm not traveling on the world. Um, uh, what do I do? What do I do? I get on planes. So when I'm not traveling and I'm in like this office and my house, right? That stuff's been since 2006. So 14 years. I'm like, I'm going to be fine. And I'm not fine, man, to be honest. Um, And I tell myself, I'm like, I'm not working from home. I'm surviving a pandemic. And so Mm -hmm. it's different and everything's different. And I think the world's going to be different going forward. So man, is it important for you and me to chat and kind of figure out where our head's at and what we've seen and what we're going through? Yeah, I've uh, I've had, I think, a pretty unique experience. So um, as you know, I changed jobs. I'm working in the middle of New York City now. And I've watched the city basically completely vacate itself. Oh, um, Ryan's getting hollered at. Yeah, he is. It's pretty much how a lot of the days goes. A lot of, uh, lot more noises, a lot of more voices than I'm used to. But um yeah, so so I, I work um, right in the middle of New York City, and so yeah. I, I started getting used to the whole vibe of the city and the energy of the city, and you know the busyness and the bustle and the, the noise and all that. And yeah. then you snap your fingers, and um, the governor basically, you know, I mean, really across the the country, they've been doing these shelter from home orders, and and um, New York City is a weird place right now. Like I, I was walking to work and I could hear people's footsteps. You know, you don't, you don't normally um, hear that. Yeah. <clears throat> and so the only people that are really out are people that absolutely have to be out. And you have your typical sort of New York City, you know, some, some folks that maybe are a little bit off kilter. And so they are now front and center in the middle of New York City. You, uh, you can hear them from blocks away, these people that are screaming and hollering and saying all sorts of stuff. <clears throat> but other than that, you, you can, wow. yeah. So, so, so observation number one is you can hear things from blocks away. It's weird. Observation number two is 
I didn't realize, but people, I guess they're, they're shamed into picking up their dog's poop because now that there's nobody around, people just leave their dog poop everywhere. You're dodging it left and right as you're walking around. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. uh, Yeah. You know, weird thing that you wouldn't expect, right? This is what I love about us, man. For whatever reason, we like, we get along really well, but our life experiences are so entirely different, right? <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and I learned from that. So like for me, I, uh, as you know, and I, I think, yeah, I've talked about this on the podcast before. So I've been a type one diabetic since I've been 10. Mm-hmm. And this pandemic, I don't know if you've read any of the science behind it. A little bit, yeah. Male diabetics, uh, forget it, man. It's it's the, it, it's basically some of the research I've been reading. So a lot of it, and there's so many attack vectors with this thing, right? So we're talking about COVID nineteen. If anybody's listening, it's like thirty years in the future, and like, what are they what are they talking about? Um, and so we we know so little, but what we do know, right? I mean, it's just reading an attack vector last night. It can actually get in through your eyes. Somebody sneezes oh, on you. It's lovely. Yeah. Um, and so as one of the reasons they found why men have this more than women is because the hemoglobins in the blood, we require more as men. And diabetics, especially uh, type 1 diabetics, which I have been, uh, our hemoglobins are all messed up. Uh, and this is something, and I don't know if I've talked to you a little bit about this before. Like I've found out as my life has gone on, as I've talked to my endocrinologist and stuff is it's not just the, um, you know, you worrying about your A1Cs and your, and your, your blood sugars and everything. There's other conditions that happen with juvenile diabetes. Whereas he's, um, like I was told a year ago, actually maybe in a less, less than a year ago that I could drop dead from a heart attack. Oh, Wow. So he put me on statin and I'm like, I am super healthy. I run every day. I don't need to be on statins. And he's like, look, I've, I've had type one diabetics in their forties, just not wake up. Mm. So that's scary. Right. And I'm like, you know, I can't, I can't go out. I, I've everything I've gone through in my life. I can't go out from this stupid freaking virus. Right. And so, um, reading that male diabetics, you're basically, you know, target number one on this. Uh, mm-hmm. you may not recover from that. Um, I've been scared to leave and it's interesting, right? Because what do you do as a dad and a provider and everything? Now I've been, I've been fortunate in that my job has been 50%. I'm at home in this virtual office and 50% I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. I love the traveling. I didn't realize how much I love the traveling until this thing happened. Uh, and I, it, it's been super hard, man. So I've been like, Hey, I have this whole home office. Everything's going to be fine. What I didn't realize is like, and you you get this too, Phil. Like, even when you and I met in New York, and we went to uh, what was that like a Brazilian steakhouse? Remember? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The kind of intellectual conversation that you get in person to person is very different than what you get in your home with your significant other and your kids. Mm-hmm. And my personality craves that in, intensely. I have not had intellectual conversation outside of my own family in three months. Oh, wow. That's tough. <laughs> you, have, you have no idea. Um, my journal is so long. Uh, <laughs> At least you're keeping one, though. I mean, that's good I have that been. I have been doing this. I'm like, I need to, for my own mental state, I need to start like recording all of these things. Mm-hmm. And what's been interesting is 
it's this is what I hope. I, and and we just passed Mother's Day, so I'm gonna I'm gonna share a little story from you. I can't remember if I shared this with you, but this is like a um, couple years back, man. We were having um, a Mother's Day uh, dinner with my mom and dad uh, down in uh, at the Jersey Shore. We were in this restaurant, and uh, two tables over from us, a little girl. I'm always so bad with like little kids. I'm always like, they're this high. So I want to say she was probably somewhere between two and five, like in that range, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Little. Starts choking. Oh my God. She turns purple. Oh, and and maybe you did tell me this. Did I tell you about this? Go ahead. Because this is one of those stories that like affects you for the rest of your life. Like I seriously thought about maybe I should just go, no, like in a positive way. Like, what am I doing? Maybe I should be a doctor. Like, um, so her grandparents are there. Like that I have seen terror in people's eyes. Um, the terror that I saw in her grandfather's eyes, feeling powerless. Um, my my girls turned to me and said, Dad, do something. So I ran over. My wife ran through the restaurant saying, somebody help, somebody help, is somebody a doctor? Now, there's one thing that, sh- that really struck me, Phil, was that the entire restaurant went quiet. Everyone was just watching. Mm-hmm. And so you're now in a position where they're all counting on you to do something. Yeah, it was super Ooh, weird, wow. right? Like, I'm like, I need to do something because I'm the type that like, you know me, I dwell on stuff for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So if I had done nothing in that moment. Yeah. You'd never what, forgive yourself. I would kill myself. Yeah. Like not kill myself literally, but you know, I would beat myself up forever. Um, so I, I need to do something. So I remember my, my oldest one was little. She choked on a Cheerio in front of me and my brother-in-law was there. I remember his, his face going white. Um, and I reached down into her esophagus and pulled out a Cheerio. Oh Jesus. With my, my fingers. So I was like, maybe wow. it's that. So that's the first thing when I ran over, so this girl's turning purple and, and her eyes are starting to close. Um, and I'm just trying to recall my own memory. So I, I put my finger down and there was nothing in the back of her throat. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, all right, there's nothing in the back of her throat. And this was a blessing. Like right in that moment, at that moment, a man grabbed my shoulder and said, I'm a doctor. And he took her like instantly flipped her over and smacked her like between the back of her shoulders. And this huge piece of food popped out. Oh my gosh. And then he turned her back around, like kind of held her gently with his arms. And we were both looking at her face. And I saw her face go from what looked like death. Like I've never seen that, Phil. I actually saw life like come back into her face. It was the most amazing, amazing thing. And she opened her eyes and she smiled at us. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was just thinking about that because of, uh, you know, Mother's Day recently. But I look at that. And maybe I'm just an optimist, but I look at this and what we're going through is that across the entire world of, mm-hmm. you know, two months ago, I was worried about how many likes I had on my Facebook post. And I'm not, you know, I'm not on Facebook. I'm talking, you know. Right. Hypothetical. Yeah. Um, but people were like whatever mm-hmm. celebrity you were following, whatever BS thing you were caught up in. And then it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Do I have food? Do I have a job? Like are the people around me okay? Is my family okay? Um, and that reality check is a good thing. This is so geeky, but you know, uh, when we, when, uh, we were super into comic books and it's a movie too, people can check out with the watchman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm not really giving a spoiler here. Cause, but the whole thing behind it was that like, look, if there's not something that we're 
like afraid of to keep us all in line, we all get self-indulgent and self-absorbent and we turn into the worst of ourselves. And, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of feel like 2019 was getting that way. It was like, man, between the politics and the division in everything and everybody's opinions, there was like 2020. Um, I don't know if you have you seen the show, Phil, on YouTube. It's called uh, Some Good News. Never know. Oh, go, go check this out now and I'll put in the links. It's from John Krasinski from The Office. Okay. I get I get something in my eye every time I watch it, Phil. I have to have wow. Um It's up to episode six now. So he's doing some good news. And what it is, it's across all of social media. It's just people helping people. Uh, oh, so everything it's like real. It's real. And and then he does things for people, man. He He's like, I don't want to like, give anything away. You have to watch this, Phil. Yeah, I'm going to check way. it out. That's, that, that sounds like it's right up my alley. Yeah, go check it out. It's called some some good news because you know our our media is not doing that for us right now. Everything is negative, um, and some of the stories I've seen of what people are doing for people, um, graduations, you know, uh, the thing. One of the things that really uh, got me was like um, the father daughter dances that all didn't happen because mm-hmm. that didn't happen for me either. And you see these dads and you know dancing with their daughters and just. Um, that's that's the thing you know it's like my kids struggle too through all of this especially my oldest and i was just having a conversation with the other last night and i said what you're doing is noble i'm like i know i know this sucks but just think about the fact that you're probably saving a life by doing what you're doing right now like Mm -hmm. um and this show will kind of show you that too yeah yeah i mean it's it's um it's been one of those experiences where you just don't even know what you know up from down i mean you got one half of the country saying you don't need masks it's all a big conspiracy um you know this was all something that was cooked up for the uh, big pharma to make lots of money and then you got the other side saying what the hell is wrong with you people wear a mask every second of the day you know and there's there's some people that are that are kind of in between um but I, I mean, I I never in my life have experienced anything like this. And I I uh, I read the Stand, right? I've read all the. I've, oh yeah. I've, I've um, consumed a lot of the so sci-fi movies, and a lot of the fan yeah. the fantasy around these sorts of things. And actually, what's interesting is at the CIO events that I've been attending for at least a decade, there were always these pandemic panels and. Um, like keynotes and stuff. And I, I always wondered why on earth does this continue to be like consistently be a topic <laughs> that they keep bringing up at these IT um, conferences. Yeah. And now I, now I know, <laughs> now I know. Yeah. And thank God that I, I, that I was able to consume a lot of that information because it really, I was able to kick into gear at my organization and we were technologically at least extremely prepared for what was going on which uh, thank goodness, because if not, yeah. we would have, we would have been hurting. And many people aren't, you know, it's like um, where I am and the people in my neighborhood and the people I know are really impacted by this. And that impacts me in such a way where sometimes I just have to even block it out because mm-hmm. I'm just obsessed about it. And so we've tried like one of our neighbors is a nurse Um and the things that we hear, you know, it's everything's perspective too with what's going on. So when you talk about other people in the country, I don't blame them. If you're looking around and everything's fine, but you could be a, you could be a nurse in New York and what you're dealing with every single day. Like you need to, you know, it's like, this is the thing here and not to get political film, 
um, but here's my opinion on this, and you know this as a leader. When you make policy, so this is this is government policy, right? In this pandemic, whenever you make policy, there's trade-offs. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody can agree on the negatives, but nobody right. can agree on it's the solution. A sl- it's a sliding scale. You're not going to have <laughs> right. zero fatalities. You're not going to have zero economic impact. And so what you have to do is decide what what the middle ground is that's going to um, right. keep everything sort of moving along. You know, you can't shut everything down for other, uh, ever. Otherwise, we're going to go – I think we're at 21 million unemployed right now. We're going to be at 50. No, it's month. over 30. It's is over 30. it now? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. My uh, my dad got um, let off too. And, and my dad – I mean, we're not even discussing – an area of this with, um, and, uh, maybe I'll go into this a little bit because I, I got to speak to a whole bunch of Hopkins, um, doctors last week. Um, but let me just roll that back a step before I get into the impacts on those things. Um, with the, uh, the, 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 with the policy and, and the economic factors and, and everything, right? Like I do feel like here's, this is just my personal opinion, right? Um, there was going into this, there were so many unknowns because we couldn't trust the information coming out of China, Yeah, which is so unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of the unknowns, I feel like we have, uh, and you, and you, you look at advice from Dr. Fauci and, and others, like we've, we've erred on the side of trying to preserve human life, which I think is, is the way to go. Right. But now we do have some facts about this. It's not the, 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 the rates are different than what we thought they could potentially be. Um, and I do feel like, you know, under the constitution, cause I do understand people coming from this way under the constitution, we do have the freedom to assemble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I was a small business owner and I can tell you where I live, I do know a lot of small business owners who've worked their entire life for businesses. They're now gone. Yeah. And like, what can I say to that, right? Um, and it it's it's super hard. And I agree with you. Like, we've never seen that in human history. And so, no, we had no idea. We had no idea what was coming. And so, these people give them a break. They made the best decisions they could with all the data that they had and all this uh, um, faux data that kept getting thrown at us. I mean, I think that when all is said and done, we did an okay job of getting the right policies put into place and the right steps were taken to minimize the impact of it. You know, if you look at the way the hospitals are, we didn't really have situations other than a couple spikes here and there where the hospital system or the, the, the health system was really overwhelmed. And so, okay. You know, I mean, I think that's, that should be a pat on the back for the people that made those decisions. Yeah. We flattened the curve there. One of the things that people may not know. So in me talking to all these doctors, um, Something I was not aware of. I don't even know if this is in the press, but most hospitals, if you look across the nation right now, they're down to about 30% of the traffic of what they were. Mm -hmm. And that affects people, people worried about jobs. Um, And I can tell you personally, as a personal anecdote, my dad, who was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer at the beginning of the year, um, we we did a bunch of tests. And so one of the things I did was I drove out to them, stayed over and then uh, went with them into Philly to go see a specialist in Philly um, and got a bunch of tests. And 
The good news is it came out hormonal and it was supposed to be so slow moving. And what I mean by supposed to is what this pandemic has done is it has stopped elective procedures. And I always, I think it's funny when you say elective because an elective procedure can be, I'm in so much pain. Every day is pain. You know, I have pain in my shoulder. I have pain in my back and I need to get surgery done or I need to get a stent put in or all of these things that like, if you don't take care of it, you could die. Um, and unfortunately, my dad's surgery for the hormonal cancer has turned into that. So now it's been five months oh, boy. and he can't go and get anything done. Uh, they will not allow my mom to be with him and he's hard of hearing and he doesn't hear crap. And what's, <laughs> what's worse <laughs> is he pretends he hears <laughs> such a guy thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, just accept the fact that you hear 10%, like even with a hearing aid of what's going on and you need her around, but he's like, he fights it. So we know that, you know, you, he's not going to tell the nurses thing. I saw it when I was there in Philly with them. I was like, Wow. You know, like that was hard. Um, and so that's been affected by that. And so one of the things I've done, I don't know about you, Phil, but one of the things I've done trying to be a good son, is I said, so they're completely isolated. He used to, he used to deliver car parts, uh, like four days a week, just to get out of the house. So they're both home now together dealing with these medical problems, dealing with this cancer. I'm going to call them through a video call once a week. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing that. Um, and to my mom's credit, like she was really good at like, I didn't even know. She, I don't know when it happened, but she had a webcam. Uh, she figured out how to do it. And we've been doing a call and um, we've been doing, we did that for Mother's Day. We did that for Easter just to be able to see them. Mm -hmm. And um, that would not have happened without this pandemic is that a phone call would have been okay. And suddenly a phone call is not okay. You actually, to put turn on the webcam and try and and connect and there's a lot of worry there um and i see that across you know i have um my mother-in-law is spending all of her time she's retired but she spends all of her time she's great at sewing and knitting so she has been creating masks um, oh wow that's a that's yeah. a handy uh handy skill to have right now <laughs> yeah and they're awesome they're awesome like <laughs> masks and stuff and so like she's been doing that um Here's a, here's another like anecdote. Um, my, oh, how do I even describe my family situation? I think you know this. Um, on my spouse's side, there were, um, we just call them, uh, and I don't want to use their names and one of them has passed. So they were just uncles and they were together, um, for 50 years and one of them, he passed and the other is still around and he is three miles from me. Um, and he's in his 90s. So he just had his 90th birthday. Um, and he loves wine. <laughs> uh, and so we did like this ninja operation. A spouse got in the car uh, and brought this nice bottle of wine and like kind of like snuck it into where he is mm -hmm. just so that he could have. And he, was, you know, broke our heart. He was like, I always enjoy just like coming over to your house and seeing everybody. Um, so there's not that either. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, my oldest daughter, who's about to turn 16 in uh, less than a month, actually said this to me the other day that kind of like, I was like, all right, Mike dropped. Because um, <laughs> she was having a little hard time. And she's like, who are you to like say anything? You have everybody you love under one roof. You have a job that you can completely do remote. 
Like, how can you even begin to understand how I'm feeling? <laughs> she just argued. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go downstairs and play EverQuest now. Like, oh, gosh. But she's right in that I can't imagine being single in this. I can't imagine, um, you know, not uh, like, I'll give you an example. My brother-in-law, he is 21 uh, in a serious relationship. His fiance is amazing. She's in the same town as me. <laughs> And he hasn't seen her in three months. Wow. Yeah, man. Actually, did I just did I say fiance? I wish it was her fiance. It's serious, serious girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> well, it's close. Um, it's like um, yeah, they've been together. Yeah, man. They've been together. Like that. I guess that's my hope. We really love her. Um, but like, I can't imagine what that feels like, you know, because I have, I'm here with my spouse. I'm mm-hmm. here with my kids in the same roof. Uh, it's different, right? Um, going through that. I don't know if that's ever happened in human history. I guess maybe that's happened in wartime where families were divided in that way and hadn't seen each other. Yeah. Wartimes, like my, um, my grandparents didn't see each other for like years. They wrote letters and stuff back and forth. So, so maybe that's a way to kind of look at this is kind of wartime, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, in, it's very similar. Like, sure. Very similar. Yeah. Um, and so here's the other thing. So I have this job my full-time job, which is very similar to jobs I've had, you know, like I was saying before, almost 15 years, uh, virtual. Um, I thought I would be fine because I'm used to when I'm not on the road being home. But what's interesting about this entire thing is, uh, I'll give you an example, Phil, cause I didn't even think about this. So I, I travel like half the time. And so because of that, there's interesting things that happen. One of them is I keep a bag in the bathroom of soap, shampoo. It's just like there. Like I never touch that. So I don't remember to to Mm -hmm. bring it. Right. Yeah. Uh, Another thing is like shows, TV shows, because some of these flights, I'll be in an airplane 14 hours round trip uh, and I'll save them up and I won't watch TV. I'll just, you know, I'm working and I'll play games or whatever, but I won't watch it. So there was like this grieving process when I actually took apart that bag in my mm-hmm. bathroom, I actually watched all the shows I was saving. It was like this acceptance of like, you know, it may be even a year before I'm on an airplane. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's kind of reminds me of what I've been going through a little bit too, because you get your, your life, you sort of construct it in a certain way. Right. You get like a routine. Your, your yep. life gets deconstructed all of a sudden. And I didn't realize right away, but there were certain things that I was missing. Like one thing I'm really big on, my, my commute was an hour and a half into the city every day. And so right. I would do books on audio and it was something I looked forward to. I used to look forward to getting in my car and I, I, oh, um, totally. you know, listen to my book and the, tra- all the trains I was on and subways and this and that, you know, meandering my way into the city. Um, that was like, my time to just sort of chill and clear my head before I went into the office and did my thing. And then on the way home, it was also my, my opportunity to just um, kind of chill out and relax and clear my head, you know, before I got home. Um, so I haven't done a book on audio in, since this whole thing started because I haven't been commuting. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I was, so I wasn't. So, so actually it was weird. So I was commuting into the city and then when all this happened and the offices sort of closed down, I was working from home and I would still go in like a day a week. And so the, the work from home thing, I've never worked from home in the 20 plus years of my career. And wow. I adjusted, I thought I adjusted pretty well to it because most of what I do is phone calls. Anyhow, I'm on constantly on conference calls and uh, so I can do that from anywhere. 
uh, so I was I was staying home, and then I decided to start going back into work again because I realized that the the one day a week I was going in, my commute was forty minutes door to door, and I can park right on the street because nobody's paying attention, and so I now um, can basically breeze in and out of the city. There's no traffic, no nothing. It's quiet. Uh, I don't talk to anyone, and uh, it, it to, to me it feels safe enough, and so. Right. That's been that's been how I've been handling the last couple of weeks. Is uh, my commute is is really fantastic, and I'm kind of dreading the fact that <laughs> well, it's you know, like, like well, let's talk about this work. a little bit. Like, like, so most people's commutes right now is putting on pants. Yeah, <laughs> if that, and you're yeah, and you're going into the city, and mm-hmm. like, I worry about you, dude. Like, I. And I don't know what is real and what's not based on what our media is reporting. So I'm assuming, because I know you as one of the smartest people I know, that you are taking precautions and that you are going to be fine. But I do worry. Like the fact that I – I didn't know if I told you. Like the fact that I found out that you were going into the city the other day, I started to think about what happens if – like not something even happened to Phil. What happens if something happens to Phil – and then, or maybe Phil's fine because you've always been one of the most amazing human beings I know. So I can't see this virus affecting you all. <laughs> but like, what happens if you infect somebody that you know, and then oh, you yeah. and I are having a conversation later and we're dealing with this and it's like. Yeah, I mean, I'm worried too, obviously. But again, um, the risk is a sliding scale, right? And so on the one hand, I could work from home and I can do that and um, on the other hand, I kind of took a look at it and said, well, what, what truly are the risks associated with this? If I leave my car and 10 feet later, I'm in the building and the same 15 to 20 people are there every day. And so, I mean, I don't know what they're doing when they're not in the office, but we've, um, they're all really incredibly smart guys. Oh, so there are, there are people coming in the office as well. It's not just, yeah, 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 no, it's not just me. I mean, the CEO's in there, you know, I mean, it's, um, it's my peers are there and a couple other folks are there. Most of them can walk to work. So <clears throat> it's not that impressive of a, uh, a feat for them to be going into the office when it's a five minute walk. Um, right. So I give myself a little more credit in the fact that, uh, you know, I've got a little trek ahead of me, but um, I mean, I, I, I honestly can say that I, I'm, I'm pretty well adjusted to this thing right now. And my team is all working remotely. None of them are coming into the office and uh, we just kind of hit a groove now where, where this is the new normal. And I see people walking around the streets. You know, I used to, um, when I would be on the trains and every now and then you see someone with a mask on. I mean, these people have existed for years and years and years. Oh, There's yeah. You see people, people at conferences. Yeah, that wear masks. And I always thought it was so odd. And now if I see someone who's not wearing a mask, I'm like, what's wrong with that person that they're not wearing a mask? It's the new normal. I was just driving home today and... I saw someone without a mask on and everyone else is biking, doing this, doing that. I mean, there's not nearly as many people out on the street, but there's still people out there. Everyone's got a mask on and the person without a mask was sticking out like a sore thumb. Yeah. I think that's a new normal. I, I want to talk a little bit about, cause what's affected me through this is, um, others, uh, it's had such a profound impact on me, uh, especially family, like things I didn't think about. So um, here's just an example. My oldest was supposed to get her license in like three weeks. Oh, There's geez. no way she gets to drive now. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, my youngest in three weeks was supposed to be done with elementary school. There's no graduation. Oh, that's right, man. Yeah. <laughs> and we were just having a conversation before she said, do I get to go to middle school? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what does get to go mean? Does it mean, do you get to learn because you're going to learn no matter what? Or does it mean you get that experience? Uh, right. Um, last father daughter dance ever. I missed out on because Mm -hmm. it was going to be the sixth grade dance. Right. So these are all like things I didn't think about. Um, one of them was my one, man, you should do one. Well, this is why you need to watch some good news. I'm telling you, man, you're going to get something in your eye. Oh, okay. Um, but you can do uh, that. Flip some tunes on and do a little dance. I used to, Yeah, um, but here's the thing. It's not the same. You know me, I am the most, the one of the reasons, my biggest coping mechanism that helps me is to be as real as possible. And this freaks oh, I thought this, you were gonna say. I thought you were going to say heroin. No? <laughs> no, I I, uh, I prefer crack. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I prefer scotch. Let me go have a drink of scotch. There bit. you go. Um, and this, we can get into this a little bit too, because the, I told you on the podcast before, I have FFB, former fat boy syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and my calorie uptake, oh. And during this, I've had dreams about being fat again. Oh, I but had all I, these I, illusions, right? Of when I was home, I'm going to go for a run. Like I have all this extra time. I'm going to get into sick shape. I'm just going to get shredded. And literally I would get up five minutes later, I would be working. And then I'd in between conference calls, I'd go get myself something to eat. I was in front, yeah. I was working like 16 hours a day. I had no idea how to cope with this whole work from home thing because my home office, like I'm in it right now. This is right. where I come to relax and to to not think about work and just unwind and do my thing. Yeah, you know? and that space became a workspace, and I never, <laughs> I never left. So here, it. it's funny you say this, Phil, because I, I want to keep some of my original thoughts, but I'll, I want to address this in one second. Um, I've had people I've known is in my day job. I've, this I'll, I'll be there almost seven years this year. I've had people I've known for years who came to me and say, "I'm sorry." <laughs> I, get, I I get it now how hard this is. There's no off switch. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, wait. And and I remember telling people, I, rem- I it was like the first couple of weeks. I mean, this is what's going to happen in the first couple of weeks. The first thing you're going to become aware of is how you spend your time. Mm-hmm. So all these past years, when you when you may have felt a little weird when I told you I'm not coming to your meeting and I asked to just to throw it in a wiki or send me a doc you're going to ask for that. And that's exactly what happened in the first month. In fact, we had, um, without naming a company or org or anything, but we had um, emails go out that said, and there's several slots during the uh, given day. And it says, you're not allowed to even schedule meetings during this time. And you need to be super careful about who, because people were sitting in front of a webcam. And I still have conversations. I was just having conversations last week with people. And I'm like, yes. And this is what I've thought about. As I said, people, you don't realize how, how, fun it is even at work it's really good it feels good to sit in a room with people and joke around mm-hmm. and you, you get um you get this non-verbal cues like you just get this this way of feeling acceptance and that yeah. you're okay and you get all that and so like because i find that when i travel to these locations to go see everybody mm-hmm. i can spend a week and i don't get anything done except have all these meetings and it felt great um but when you're working remote you're so aware of how you're spending your time that you get pissed off when you're in uh, front of a webcam and it was just a discussion that didn't need to happen. Right. 
And I've never felt as vindicated as somebody has almost been 15 years uh, doing this remote stuff. I have had multiple people, senior leaders, like come to me and be like, we get it now. So maybe that's a positive thing moving forward, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But that this is the negative thing. And we do a bunch of surveys at my main job too, because everybody across the board says they're way more productive, but everybody across the board says their work-life balance has been impacted, especially if you have little ones. Um, I have had, and in this, and I've told people, so this, um, you know, you're a leader of people to film it. This, this is going to start happening soon to people if it's not already happened. Um, what would happen to me over the past seven years and still happens to this day, everything's fine. One night I'll sit in bed. The sleep will not come. Yeah. I, I'll sit there for four hours. That's it's actually like I, a great point. Yeah. I've, I've been having the same problem is I yep. cannot ah, fall well, asleep. Yeah. Um, it, and I, it will be four hours and then I'll finally say, screw this. And then I, I need to be productive and I'll just, I'll just give up on the sleep. And, yeah. And, um, but two, what it is. 2 a.m. consistently. 2 a.m. Yeah. And I'm oh, getting yeah. up a little bit later. But you, I used to be and I was, I was so happy with myself because when I was in college, I couldn't sleep either. And then once I became yeah. a, like a working professional, my head hits the pillow, man, I'm done. And oh, yeah. uh, over the last couple of weeks, I'm like, what is going on with me? Yeah. I can't fall asleep. It's a, and the, the best I can think about is it's a, um, did I ever talk about the Shannon limit on this, yeah. on this pocket? All right. So here's a couple of things. Um, so think about this for a second. Your reality, your reality is that you're a brain in a dark cave. Your brain is sitting inside your skull and it's getting these electrical impulses so you're literally just this like thing sitting in a skull, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's different, you know, when we start talking about soul and all that. But I'm just talking about consciousness, brain, and physicality. Um, and so think about that for a second. The way that consciousness works, and scientists are going to disagree on this. Uh, anywhere, there's something called the Shannon limit. And this was from, um, I think he was a researcher at AT&T. And basically what he said is that, in any communication channel, there's a certain amount of data throughput that's maximally allowed, right? So just like the internet to your house, there's only so right, much data right. that you can get. Mm-hmm. For the human brain, I subscribe that it's 40 bits per second. So that means 40 pieces of information per second. There are people say it could be as high as 70. I think it depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. But let's just say it's let's just say it's 70, right? So that means in any given second, you could consciously be holding 70 things in your brain. So that means you could be thinking about work, your kids. You could be thinking about the fact that you're really hungry, that your your face is itchy, uh, that you should be working out, that you're, you want a piece of uh, chocolate. You know, like all these different things. Any given. Mm-hmm. Your senses are sending tens of millions of pieces of information oh, in any given second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is why computers are much better at, at processing things like that. And this is why, I don't know if you've ever seen that experiment they did where a bunch of people are passing a ball around in a group and a guy in a gorilla suit walks right yeah, through them. Yeah, yeah, I've they, seen that, yeah. And right. nobody even notices. Yeah. Um, and what that is, is uh, it's, there's a cognitive load that everybody has and your your cho- your brain is like the CEO, right? Because it's a... It's a uh, it's 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 basically a debate among equals your brain at any given moment you can't just decide it's it's not a it's not a dictatorship you can't just decide right now i'm going to work out 
there's a bunch of other voices that says, screw that. I'm going to play video games. Screw that. I'm going to go eat. And so <laughs> mm -hmm. you're constantly in this debate with these other uh, feelings in your head in order to get yourself to do anything, which is why di discipline is very, very hard because it's all of these equals. It's a debate among equals, which is in the AI field, by the way, which is, is going to be the next breakthrough, I really feel, because we've been trying to model it on the fact that an AI is like a single thing, but an AI should actually be a bunch of peers that are debating things at any given time, because that's the way the human brain works. Mm -hmm. um, and so depending on your personality, um, my personality, did we ever talk about MBTI and stuff? So my, I'm an uh, INFJ. Yeah, I'm INTJ. Um, Oh, see, see, this is why we get so along so well. Um, you are like, we're basically, we're, we've both got that intuitive feeling perspective. So we love like deep conversation, but you're much more practical than me where <laughs> I go on pure emotion, uh -huh. unfortunately, which yeah, we both I'm a plus. A, right. And that's what separates us. Um, but what happens because, so you're very similar in this, Phil, is that our subconscious is processing most of the information on our behalf mm -hmm. um, all the time. And the way that you're, because your personality is a little different, uh, I forget how you become aware of it. The way that I become aware of it is my gut. It's all feeling. So there's been so many times in my life where I'm like, I feel, this is what I feel is going to happen. I just feel it's going to happen, right? And mm -hmm. then it always happens. Um, and I've learned to trust that. I've learned, I, the, one of the best pieces of advice I got, uh, it was probably like two, three years ago. And somebody said to me, I've never seen somebody with your instincts. Like you have just amazing instincts. And I always thought that that was a weakness because I didn't have all this data to uh -huh. back it up, right? Um, but I can tell you this, the insomnia thing is coming from the unconsciousness and it's coming from the fact that it's been processing all of these potential scenarios and you consciously haven't thought about the scenarios. Yeah, you haven't worked them out yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And that comes out when your Shannon limit Nothing is filling the pipe, so your unconscious starts to fill the pipe. And unfortunately, that happens at night. And I don't know about you, Phil. Like, when I can't sleep, all of a sudden, I feel like I have a rush of adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why am I getting a rush of adrenaline? And I'm just like, oh, all of a sudden, all the stuff I've been processing unconsciously has come to the front. And yeah. now my prefrontal cortex is processing all that. And it's like, oh, okay. there's, there's definitely a lot of that. I will say there's definitely a lot of that. I usually wrap my work day up and then I shut it off and I might check my, like, I'll check in before I go to bed, make sure I'm aware of my calendar the next day, make sure there's no outstanding, you know, major fire drills or whatever. Right. But um, when I was working from home and even now, I was just, I was sleeping in a little more because I could. So I would get up right. instead of getting up at 5.45 in the morning, which is what I usually do. I oh, was wow. getting up at like 7.30 and I was at my desk by 7.45. And usually that 5.45 will get me to work by 7.45. So um, getting a little more sleep meant that I was um, a little bit less tired when I usually am. And I've I've been fighting sleep my entire life. I mean, ever since we were in college, I have a really hard time um, shutting it all off. And so I unnaturally will try and stay up way, way longer than I probably should because I feel like I'm, I need to maximize my productivity, you know? And yeah. so um, my whole, my whole like cycle was a little bit off and has been a little off. I'm eating at weird times 
Yes. And I'm um, just not really quite, I, I mean, I'm such a rhythm kind of like pattern guy. You know, I like to do the same thing every day, the same order, because I don't have to think about it. And so I've been having to think about my day a lot more. And, and actually what you mentioned earlier, which is that you think about what you're doing all the time. I have this tremendous amount of guilt, or at least I had this tremendous amount of guilt because I wasn't at work. And that right. was was making me want to show everyone how much p- more productive <laughs> I could be, and so I was like kicking butt to just try and um, to just prove that I could be even more productive at home than I am in the office, which is stupid. But nonetheless, um, I've always been like that too. If I call right. out sick and and towards noon I start feeling a little bit better, then I start to kick myself while I call out sick, and then I feel like I have to go to work, and I start trying to talk myself into it. And I've always had this uh, this thing about missing work. I just even even if it's warranted, I uh, I feel like I got to be there. I don't know. No, I. You know, it's um that's one of the things that the remote. And not being in the office every day, work you find out how high. So in your personality, if you ever like look into psychology, there's kind of like five core aspects of it, mm-hmm. and one of them is neuroticism. <laughs> and I, my neuroticism is insane being remote. Mm-hmm. I read people's faces. I need to be around people, and it's like I can I can tell what people are thinking, even if they're lying to themselves when I'm in front of them. Yeah. But, and that's just my personality, but, um, my neuroticism, it's insane. And I, so why don't we talk about this? Why don't we talk about things we've found that can help Mm -hmm. people during this? Because this is what I've found over all the years going through this. Cause there's so much in this pandemic that I've worked out prior, thankfully. Mm -hmm. Um, the first thing that I worked out and you can do this however you want. Um, the app that I use and it's available on Apple and Google play is called day one and it's a journal and you can secure it and lock it down so people can't read it. Um, but what I found is, and this became especially important when I left Facebook is cause I find what a lot of people do is with Facebook is they use it almost as a diary. They're feeling something yeah. and then they, they let it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, it almost be in the beginning, it became my own social media where I was posting what I was feeling. Um, and journaling is so important. And one of the things you'll find, like, uh, let's say, uh, I have, I have had close friends who've had bouts of depression and there's other apps that help you with depression where literally all the only thing that you do each day in the app is you put a face and it's like a smiley face, a sad face, or kind of like a medium face. And what that does is it kind of shows you where you, where you're feeling and you can remember the day and kind of see patterns. And one of the things that I found um, the first thing I found in journaling and I'm, and people are, I, I can almost guarantee are feeling this during the pandemic, um, is how much you can swing between emotions in any given day. So I can go from feeling freaking amazing to wondering why I need to go on in a mm-hmm. single day. And so that should give you a little bit of uh, the, the fragility of all this, right? Yeah. So, so first, figure that out and, and don't shame yourself mm-hmm. when you actually don't feel okay because that's one of the things I found to be very successful. We had a leg up on this uh, with me being home before, but what's been super important in the pandemic across the family is picking up on each other. Uh, and it's And I'll say things like, is it a sad face day? And my significant other will go, yes. And I know stay away from them. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it <laughs> okay. right? Like because you can you, you you need to recognize that. And I'll say that in the morning. I'll be like, it's a it's a happy face day, and people know. Then let's engage in conversation and let's let's do different things. Mm-hmm. Sad face because mo- a lot of the people in my family, sad face days is you don't want to see another human being, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's becoming aware of that. The other thing is cyclical, man. Like I did not realize that every springtime going back for eight years is when I start to doubt myself, doubt my career, feel like I'm not like, am I even going to keep my job uh, worthless? And I didn't know it was that cyclical. Uh, people will tell me that they remember having this conversation, but journals told me that. And what's interesting is you can go back into your journal and see what you actually told yourself, and mm-hmm. it helps. Kind of like oh, how you, and, yeah, kind of like how you and me were talking about the podcast. Like I've listened to some of our previous podcasts, and it helps me. Yeah, like it's 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 me figuring out. But this is what's great about human beings is we can adapt to change. It's amazing what we can go through and what we can persevere. And I think part of that is because we forget. Mm-hmm. So having a, a, a journal will remind you of like, you know what, five years ago on not only on this month, but this actual day you were having, you were doubting yourself. And I want to tell you that three days later, this happened. And so I can't, I can't tell you, Phil, how important that's been for me. And then the the app, what it does is it'll say, this is what happened on this day in previous years. Mm-hmm. And I just have to laugh in, in, in some of it because it's almost like this is the best way I can describe it. It's almost like you're watching this movie like um, when, when you're feeling something and you felt this thing five years ago and then something the solu- you found the solution and then something happened and the feelings go away. It's like you can tell the ending already. Mm-hmm. to what you're going through. Now, here's the interesting thing I found out about emotions and intelligence is that I can know that I shouldn't feel this way and I should be doing these things, but I still feel like total crap and it right, hurts. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? So you can't tell yourself to feel better, mm-hmm. um, but at least there's something about the fact that you know that you've gone through this before, like you're not alone. Like there's yeah. that Dave five years ago that went through this and guess what? He's okay. Yeah. Somehow that helps. Yeah, I, I would say that I've I've got some of that wisdom as well. Where when I have some of the down days, I say, you know what, Phil? How many times are you going to go through this before you realize it's just you? Like, suck it up and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's the super thing with emotions. Like, mm-hmm. I, as somebody who, did I ever tell you how like I feel like I'm a time traveler? Did I ever tell you this? No. All right, so. Um, and I was just, and when I was talking about taking my parents in a Philly and I was sleeping over, it was incredible because I got to go and like, Oh, you were like in your childhood bedroom or is this a new No, house? they sold that house, unfortunately, but just some of the stuff is still the same and being my parents and just me and them yeah, uh, brought back memories. But I, I think I've t- told you this before. Like I have memories of choking on a lifesaver when I was two uh-huh. and I've described the room to my mom. Wow. And it, it's the actual room. And I, so this is a super interesting thing. So you have the thing, I forget the medical term, man. Um, it's a sensory thing where your senses are tied into your memories. Like you've told me like the number nine looks like cloudy and oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. right. Like you have that. And I think mm-hmm. that's super awesome. What I actually have is, and I didn't know this. I just did this instinctually. Like I'll take, I'll give you an example. Like before I go do a keynote in my day job, I take these notes in one note. Mm-hmm. And I see the notes, like I can, like in my mind, I actually see all the words and my mom 
told me she thinks I have a, some kind of photographic memory. And I never yeah. thought about it. I, and I that have makes, that too. I have that too. Yeah. So like if I, this is why I type things down because it's mm-hmm. not that I'm typing it down. If I type it down, I can actually pull up the image in my head and actually read the text. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. No. So, so this is what I do when I'm at work. I've got one guy in particular who works for me. He's, he's uh, very fond of the long narrative and I can only, I can only, <laughs> follow, popular, right? yeah. I can only follow so much of it before I tell him you got to stop and you got to put this on a piece of paper for me. Let me, let me read the piece of paper and then you can talk through it because I'll have a, a point of reference. But if he goes too far, all my little mental, um, like earmarks start to get muddy. Like I, I lose track and I, I can't do it. And I, he's either got to put it on a whiteboard for me or, or I tell him you got to put right. this on a piece of paper, get a half hour of my time, get it to me in advance. I'll read it and then we can talk about it, but this is not going to work. And then he, he's kind of learned by now what the deal is with me. And so he's, he, um, he, he's, he's adapted a little bit, but it's a me thing. It's got nothing to do with him. I'm sure, you know, he's, he's yeah. very effective and he can tell the story, but I personally, I have to see it in order to be able to fully um, absorb it. And that's well, why that's, the, the books on audio thing is interesting because I've been training my brain to, to be able to, um, to listen exclusively with no visual context of any sort. And so what happens is yeah. while I'm listening to the, the audio book, in my brain, I see the, um, the book cover because that's what they show you on the audio book. That's just in yeah. my head the whole time. <laughs> well, here's uh, – so I told something. That's super cool. I, I shared with my boss at my – current job we both shared our mbtis and we've known each other for like six years and and she's amazing um but it's so important to kind of understand the where the other person's coming from like the the situation you just described because Mm -hmm. this is what's like amazing is that people view the world differently and we process information differently and you got to kind of understand that right especially about yourself and um it it it's 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 interesting during this time because I, uh, my significant other and me are both introverts and both of my kids are extroverts on the scale. Oh, wow. So you can, yeah. And so you can imagine how they've been feeling. Um, like my oldest, we took her, her best friend, um, was having her 16th birthday party. So she went and they both wore masks and like covered up and they can actually like see each other. Um, and that was like, so feeling to her. Whereas I'm like, if I had a video call with that person, I would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to hear what they're feeling. It's not the actual touching them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so that kind of stuff um, super, super comes into play during all of this. Right. Um, and it, it takes all that. But it, it's funny when you talk about audio. So I talked a little bit about the visual. I told my, so there's two things with this. I want to first talk really about the audio, then I'll get on the video. Um, first, the audio film. Um, and I know this is probably a scientific thing, but I can walk around my yard and in my yard, I can tell you what podcast conversations I heard in that specific. Yeah, way. me too, man. Me too. See? I'm so that happens to you too. <laughs> yep. I'll see a sign when I'm, when I'm walking to work. And when I see the sign, I'll be like, oh yeah, that's right. That's Stephen King book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's really, it's amazing how uh, memory works with that. Here's the second thing. And this is a tip. This may help our listeners. I guess it might depend on um, what kind of personality they type are. I told this to my mom and she thought I was crazy. Uh, I told her when, when I was sleeping over and we were going to Philly, but this is a thing that's happened recently and it's really cool. Um, 
So because when I was talking about being a time traveler, a lot of that is because I have such visual vivid memories. I can go back and I'm in my childhood, mm-hmm. right? Or I'm in I'm in our college bedroom if I need yeah. to be. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So here's way. a, all right. So you do this trick, man. You're going to love it. And this was an epiphany that happened to me and I didn't realize it. So there was one thing, there's different things that's happened. This just thing just happened to be an old boss at work. Um, and I kind of felt betrayed and this goes years ago. So I'm just gonna be real about this. Right. And for some reason, whenever I was feeling insecure, this memory would come up and I kind of beat myself up over it. And I forget what I was reading, or it might have been a YouTube video because I've been watching a lot on psychology, but it was saying that, look, in life, things happen once. Everything else is you. And that really struck me when I heard that. And I'm like, so what I'm basically doing is I'm replaying this as me, but I'm forgetting that I'm in control. So you know, being a nerd and a sci-fi fan, I was like, I wonder if I can freeze things. So it started out with this particular individual and we were having this conversation. And in my memory, when I realized it was happening and I was awake at the time, but there's been other times when it's been dreams. I was awake at the time I said, freeze. And the entire thing froze. And then I said, and, and then once it was frozen, I actually walked around the room. Oh, that's then, crazy, man. That's like, a isn't movie. it crazy? And yeah. And then, and then once I was aware and everything was frozen, I smacked the person across the face and I could see their cheek get red, but they, but nothing happened. And I was like, I'm in like complete control here. So try this, Phil, try this. Like if you ever have a memory, it could go back to your, your six years old and kids are picking on you. Freeze the frame. You can position people around in the, in the room. You can tell them whatever you want. And it, it gets into the fact that you realize that you're in complete control. And this is actually your brain. Oh, Interesting replaying everything. I can't tell you how healthy that has been. Like there are, there has been stuff that I didn't realize I was holding on to that was bothering me that I've let go that it's like, and a lot of, and more has happened in the, in this pandemic, but it's, it's, and I even hear the sound like the matrix. I actually hear the sound go. And then like stuff freezes all around me. Holy cow. yeah. And it's been this incredible trick, man. And my mom was like, I think you're just crazy. And I was like, no mom, like I'm, I'm not kidding <laughs> you. Like this could be like when I was 10 years old and I was getting pantsed in like sixth grade uh-huh. and people were calling me a diabetic a-hole. Like they didn't even know what diabetes was. Right. And like, and I'm like, I can walk around the scene. I can pivot the scene and I'm in complete control. And it's like, um, it's been really amazing. And so I think that's like, if you have a visual memory, that's one of, or any kind of memory. That's a thing to remember is that I, that, that quote really sticks with me is that look in life, things happen to you once and everything else is you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe it, man. Yeah. So, so you, you brought up before what, um, like some tips and things that we've done to get through this. Yeah. You know, one of the things, um, I was, just, I just sort of made a note of it when you mentioned it, but one of the yeah. things that I do every um, morning. I'm afraid to look at our notes. Did you? No, 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 nothing like that. <laughs> Um, when, when I, every morning when I go to work, I do the same thing, which is I take a deep breath and I, I just sort of say, thank you for everything that I have. You know, I kind of look at my house, I look at my car, I think about my kids. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to my job, you know? And so, um, people are naturally grumpy in the morning and it's something that I've done to force my attitude to improve because otherwise it's just another one of these grumpy mornings, you know? And, um, what I've been doing through this, or at least the time that I spent, I had two and a half weeks that I was working from home is I would go outside intentionally. I'd figure out a reason to go either take the garbage out or whatever, just so I could do that 
little tiny walk to my car and I could go through that routine again. And it sort of helped me to keep my attitude right. Because when I wasn't doing that, I felt lost. All of a sudden it would be noon and I'd be like, man, you know, I just, I I don't, I feel off, but just taking that moment to go out, I take a deep breath. I kind of look at the sky and take everything in, you know, just be thankful to, to, um, to be doing what I, um, I'm doing and not to be in worse shape. Obviously, there's a lot of people right now, 30 million, as you said, that, uh, that are really having a hard time. Another thing that I've, that I've always done, but that has been super critical for me now is that I make sure that I understand exactly what my day is going to be like so that I can plan so that it doesn't become a run-on day. Um, even though it, it becomes that anyhow, at least the end of my day now is more discretionary than um, than anything else. And you know, you mentioned human contact. I've instituted a couple just sort of more um, touch points with the people that I would normally organically just kind of walk up to and see how they're doing because I don't have that now. When I have a free moment, I might just uh, do a quick Zoom with someone or do a quick, uh, hey, you got a minute, let's chat and just see where their head's at because um, I don't have the opportunity to do that like I would in the office where I just walk over to them like, yeah, let me see how so-and-so is doing. I've been doing a lot of that and that's been helping as well. So those those are some of the things that I've been doing to... uh, or at least was doing. And actually, I'm still doing it because I'm basically alone in, in the New York office. I mean, my entire team is remote. And so I've continued to do a lot of these touch points because otherwise I, I don't have nearly as much um, engagement with them as I would otherwise. Yeah. Let, let me unpack a couple of those things there. Um, one of the thing, one of the benefits through all this is I've always felt uh, a little disconnected from my team because I wasn't there. So they would all be meeting without me, but because everybody's remote, one of the things we've been doing is virtual coffee hours. And I've also heard of like meetings where people have been doing virtual happy hour. I don't know if you've done this with work. No, no. Um, I've never felt closer to my team. I actually feel super inclusive and I love showing up to these things. And it's like, I love seeing people like their head, their kids heads would like pop in the webcam. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you feel like I'm actually seeing families of people I've known for seven years. Not families, uh, so you but see pets. The, for some yeah, reason, see, everyone's super jazzed about showing me their dogs and their cats. Like when I do my one-on-ones with my team members, they're like, hey, check it out, my office buddy. And they always want to show me their pet. So that's been a neat thing. I haven't seen a whole lot of family. I, I'll hear kids in the background and I'll be like, right. oh, man, okay. You yeah, got like there. I actually, no, I'll be in a meeting and there'll be a kid jumping on it. So. <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. It is actually pretty cool. I didn't think about it. Um, it it really, it reconnects. And this is the problem I've always had um, where I've, I remember when I did management, oh gosh, this goes back to like 2003. So you're talking 17 years ago, I was always told I was too soft. And my problem was like, I, I put myself in everybody's shoes. Right. And, um, what's happening right now is like, I'm like, wow, everybody's a parent. Everybody's dealing with crap. And for me, I I guess it depends on the person, but for me, that gives me like such awesome feeling. Right. Um, a couple other things you talked about, and I'm putting these links in here. I put the, some good news link. You talked about the breathing. I don't know if you've ever checked this out. Um, there's something called the Hoff technique, Hoffman technique. Have you ever seen this guy? No. So it's not David Hasselhoff. <laughs> it's no, check it out. Uh, I put the link in the sheet and there's a YouTube video. I've done uh-huh. this. It works. It's freaky. So this is, he's also called the Iceman. So this is a dude. He figured out a while ago, like, you know, when you go into something like super cold, you're like this, 
stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So he figured out if you start to do that and they've had researchers like they've injected him, dude, with a poison and he's done this breathing technique and his body's fought off the poison. Wow. And then he taught people how to do it and then they did it. And so he teaches you. I have this video. I don't know if I told you this. I've had this video on my computer and what I'll do it uh, sometimes, especially if it's like one of those times when I can't sleep. I'll start to do this and you like, sometimes you'll laugh. You'll watch videos of people doing this. They'll just start to laugh. Like you're, it releases all these natural endorphins and, and it's just freaking breathing. Um, and I, I'm a believer in, uh, you know, if like you look into yoga and meditation, they've also saying shown things like that actually physically does things to your body as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the breathing, uh, is huge in this and you're probably so close to this, Check this yeah, link well, out. It's, I mean, it's, a, even... it's a quasi kind of meditation thing. So I've done a little bit of research on meditation and the benefits of that because I just found it fascinating. And what I do during high stress points in my life is I practice it um, very, very frequently. You know, when I started this new job, and obviously there's always this anxiety about starting a new job. Yeah, I would make sure that as I'm doing the couple blocks walk from the path station to my um, to my office. I would breathe and I would just focus on my breathing, breathe in, breathe out, you know, make sure that I, I, um, cleanse myself of whatever negative thoughts I have so I can just hit the ground running when I get in the office. Super important. Something that, uh, I just, I now almost do subconsciously. Like if I'm freaking out a little bit, or if I think that, um, the stress levels are too high for something, I'll just stop myself and I'll just, uh, you know, kind of steady myself with breathing to, um, to chill out. Super. Yeah. Super important. It's all perspective. Again, you are literally this brain sitting in a dark cave, getting these electrons mm-hmm. shot to you. And it's, you're getting stimulated by all these different hormones that you're releasing. And so you need to change your reality, man. Just breathe. Yeah. And so yeah. So check that out. I, I want to hear your feedback on it because I, so is that the video you just shared this YouTube video? Is that the yeah, thing this that- YouTube video? You'll see him do it. Um, he goes into like sub zero temperatures and all crazy stuff. And people do that too. Wow. Um, I don't know if I would, I would be able to do that kind of stuff, but even just yeah. the breathing. There's certain things I don't need to prove to myself. And one is sub zero temperatures. <laughs> um, but like, what's great about him, man, is he, he said, okay, go ahead and do it. Like researchers, they have all this data that like his body physically fought things off and then he taught other people and then they did it. So it's not like it's just some dude out there saying like, this is the way that you should feel good. Um, it's scientific and you can check it out. And um, I'm always fascinated. Like, like, I don't know if you've been checking this out, Phil, but in the, um, the 1918, like the Spanish flu and stuff, there's stuff that's been lost. So for example, I've seen pictures of them having outside hospitals because they found out that the people being outdoors actually helped. And so what they found with COVID is that uh, outdoors is almost like a natural filter. So now they're starting to put hospital patients that are, um, you know, kind of in the, in the final stages, they've been putting them outside and they've fully recovered. Wow. Um, There's other things like back in 1918 to 1920, there were um, lots of things that were made out of copper. Uh, You see copper, like um, areas where you could wash your hands, copper, copper, things to drink out of mm-hmm. um, and copper and those type of metals uh, kill viruses. Mm-hmm. And so it was a natural decam- uh, decontaminant. So like, I mean, being in New York, you do see older things that are like copper yeah. uh, around. And so um, 
that's something I think one of them is really big, right? There's something in New York that's really big made out of copper. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Statue of Liberty, if nobody's, uh, but, um, but it's super interesting because I'm always fascinated by like, you know, it's almost like wisdom of the ages, like stuff that's been lost. Mm -hmm. Um, so I actually bought like this copper canteen to put water in off Amazon uh, and that's what I drink my water out of every day. Uh, and cool. just me touching it with my hands eliminates any kind of virus or anything else. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, just, just things. I mean, that's what I would say is one journal. It's so important to get their things out because if mm-hmm. you just bottle it inside, regardless of your personality, um, that's going to be a problem or just find somebody to talk to. Yeah. I'm going um, to do that. I think you've mentioned that in previous, we haven't, released every episode of this thing we recorded so many of them but i think i, yeah. I either either it was when we released or when we plan on where you yeah. talked about journaling and i, and I, said I can't I take credit for that that's <laughs> uh you know a friend i've had for a really long time who's struggled with depression who told me about that app he he also told me about an app that's just the smiley face sad face medium face uh-huh. um and i i can't thank him enough like that now that I have years worth of stuff that I've journaled, it's like, it's funny how cyclical you are. And you don't realize that as a human being until you go back and be like, mm-hmm. you know what, what I'm feeling right now, I felt every May. Um, <laughs> wow. And, makes you wonder. Yeah. And it gives you power over it because it's like, okay, it's May. In May, I feel this way about my job. I feel this way about life. And these are all the things I've done before. And guess what? June's going to be like this. And it's super helpful. The other thing is the breathing, like you talked about. And then we did the fitness episode on working out. Mm -hmm. uh, Because I know a lot of people don't have access to gyms right now. Yeah. And so even getting like a- like if you go man. Go for a walk. Go for a run. That's what I was doing. I started forcing myself on my lunch break. Because another thing I did in New York City is on my lunch break, I'd go down and I'd just walk the streets. And I would walk a couple New York blocks, take me about a half hour- and it was just a mental reboot, and I was missing out on that too. So I started doing that Good. when I was home. And not even um, – here's another interesting I thing. I don't know about you because we just – we launched an episode about 80s kids, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things we talked about was like if you want to know what was going on in the neighborhood, you, you opened your door and you went outside. And that's the way my neighborhood is now. My kids even complained about it. It doesn't matter, Phil, like what I'm doing. Whenever I'm bringing out the trash or mail, there are neighbors out somewhere. Mm -hmm. That didn't exist before this pandemic. Like people are just trying to like go for walks and trying to get fresh air. It's crazy how many people are are walking around. (laughs) When I go for my my run, I pass people that I didn't even know lived in my neighborhood. Like, oh, okay. Mental note. Who's that? All right. Let's find out where they live. (laughs) It's awesome because my kids were complaining about it. They're like – um. I was like, let's go for it. I don't want to see everyone. And I'm like, (laughs) when, and I'm like, you know, this is what it was like when I was a kid is you went out your front door and that's how you interacted with everybody. Nobody was on a computer. The computers, people didn't even have computers. Um, So that's been something I think that's beneficial. I hope that does stay um, is seeing, you know, and people have masks and they're keeping the distance and they just kind of wave. But like, even over the weekend, like we were out on the deck over the weekend. You hear the whole neighborhood. You hear kids playing. You hear families talking. Um, it feels like neighborhoods are alive again. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. My neighbor yeah. just put up a basketball hoop. I was like, all right. Okay. Nice, man. Now we got something going on here. 
it's obviously my uh, one of my my many loves in life is is the sport of basketball. So oh, to yeah. see uh, he's got a little boy. I think his little boy is like five or six years old. So Coach Phil, oh, once awesome. once this thing blows over, I'm gonna uh, gonna teach him a thing or two. Yeah, even from a distance, man, you can teach him. Yep. But I, it's funny because I found out because I was outside shooting around. I was all by myself on Mother's Day because my kids were with um, with their mom and my wife and and her kids went off to visit um, her brother, and I had to stay home because right. I had a I had a big um, presentation I had to give to our CEO uh, today, and so um, so I stayed home so that I can get that done, and then to take a little break, I went outside to shoot some hoops. And there he was putting the hoop up and his little boy's watching me. And then all of a sudden he's like trying to do the thing I did. He's trying to dribble through his legs and stuff. It was so cute. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I would say, all right, let's wrap it up. Um, I would say during all of this, right, is that the hope is that we realize what we all have is that we cherish the moments that we all have. We cherish the family and the friends that we have. We don't, we don't take things for granted in 2021. And we also understand that life's different for everyone. People view the world differently. 2019, if I ever look back at 2019, it's the year of intolerance, man. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe 2021 after all of this, we're like, okay, you know what? Even though you're, I don't agree with you at all. I understand that you see the world differently than I do. And maybe that helps us in some small way moving forward. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I think that's wishful thinking from, <laughs> from me. Um, I, I don't expect the divide in our country to go away, but um, I am seeing people who are, are um, you know, there's people right now that have, and there's people right now that have not. And the people that have, that um, it just reminds me of 9-11 a little bit the um the opening up of people's um just their their um their hearts and and obviously their wallets as well you know and trying to help their the fellow um fellow man to get through this thing you know that's one of the things that i've been so impressed with is people donating their time people donating uh, money people uh, making sure to make a point to to um to frequent local businesses and stuff like that it's just you know, when, when this country, man, when we get backed into a corner, we're pretty tough to beat. So I'm, I'm very, uh, encouraged by what I've been seeing over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I remember the feelings and somebody was telling me the other day about, um, cause they were in media and they're like, the feeling now is after what it was after September 11th. So there's not, you yeah. know, certain topics that you do. And, and I was like, you're right. And I remember after September 11th, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but me and my brother, um, and at the time, I think we were together. I don't know if we were, we were just married. Um, we went out on route one, uh, in front of where that steakhouse was and we took American flags and we just hollered at every car going by (laughs) USA, USA. That's awesome. We did it for like two hours and cars would honk and i was like i hope it left like some positive and i know it had to have left some positive effect because it was a feeling of powerlessness and hopelessness that's hard to describe but i think people are starting to feel some of that during this pandemic and and so it's um it relates a lot of way into that and i the solution through all of that was that hey together right like together is how we get better 
Oh, look mm-hmm. at that. Look at that together. Yeah, look man, you rhymed it. It's almost like, it's almost like teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> um, but it, like in a real way, you know, it was like, hey, because I think that's the, that's the worst feeling in all of this because that was the worst feeling after September 11th was like you're alone yeah. and you're helpless. But when you realize, no, it's like we the people. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. That's really what gave me at least uh, uh, hope and a sense of feeling better through everything. So, um, you know, my hope is that in the pandemic to um, watch that Some Good News show. Anybody listening to what that link, you do see that. There's so many examples in that, uh, again, which is why, um, you know, it's like uh, – I always get something in my eye watching that show, but it's like, I'm going to check it out. You do see so many. Yeah, man. It's every Monday he posts that and I'll watch it Monday night before I go to bed. And it's like, um, it's so powerful when you see people come together and what they're doing. And so many examples Mm -hmm. that you do not hear in the news. So worth checking out for sure, man. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. It's always good. Uh, chatting. Yeah, man. With you. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to get this thing up as soon as we can and uh, do another one soon. Sounds good. All right.